Today we return to our study in the book of Acts. We've had a couple of weeks off, first with Mother's Day and then last week with our senior celebration uh, Sunday. And now we're going to turn back and resume in our study here in the book of Acts. Uh, all the way through our study, I've been saying, and you could probably go ahead and guess it, that God is instructing us in the last days of the church by our looking at the first days of the church. Now, I might quit saying that. I might quit bringing that up, except for the fact that I think every single week uh, that becomes clearer and clearer. And so every week as we progress through our study, I think that becomes more and more clear. Man, we are living in truly strange days. We are living in weird days and honestly very crazy days. And it is in these days that God is instructing us, God is leading us, and he is teaching us as we study his word in the book of Acts. And I think that is no coincidence. I believe that is God's plan. As we head into and walk in these days, God is instructing us as we study the church in the first days. You ever notice one of the ways that we learn, in fact, one of the most effective ways that we learn is through repetition, by doing something over and over and over, or by hearing something over and over, or by saying something over and over and over. That is one of the ways, uh, the best ways that we learn. Uh, Coach Blue, you'll remember 30-something years ago, if you can imagine that, uh, in football practice, Coach Britton would say, it would make us cringe, run it again, run it again. On the ball, remember Eric, on the ball, run it again, run it again. And then he would say, do it right, do it light, do it wrong, do it long. I don't remember ever doing it light. But we learn in repetition. Well, evidently, God is making a point, and evidently, it is a point we need to get, and evidently, it is a point we're having trouble grasping because we keep hearing it from God. And the point is the title to our message today. Our key is the serious study of Scripture, the serious study of Scripture. Now, I want to tell you this morning, I wish it were flashier than that. I wish it were some new subject, but God knows what he is doing. Our key, our foundation, is the serious study of Scripture. Today in our verses, we're going to be in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 15. The serious study of Scripture. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. Acts chapter 17, beginning in the 10th verse, God's word says this. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. But when the Jews of Thessalonica found out the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul and Berea also, they came there as well, agitating and stirring up the crowds. 
Then immediately the brethren sent Paul out as far as the sea, and Silas and Timothy remained there. Now those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they left. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that we have a hope today that endures. We're thankful that in Christ we have peace today. Lord, I pray as we've assembled that we've come to worship you, to exalt you. I pray that you're blessed, that you're honored in this hour. Lord, I pray for, for some here today that have no hope, that some that are here today that are hurting, some today that have come and their hearts uh, have, been, have been shipwrecked. I pray that today in the hearing of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they would find the peace and the grace and the love of our Savior, Jesus. Lord, I pray now that you would speak, that you would lead. I pray that it would truly be a supernatural event. We do open up our hearts. We open up our minds, and we ask that you would speak. We love you, we worship you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Now, to go back and set the context, remember Paul is on his second missionary trip. Uh, sent out by the home church there in Antioch, Paul is on his second missionary journey. In the book of Acts, we covered his first missionary journey. Now, we find him on his second missionary journey. Now, remember, and we see it over and over again, he is on a mission to tell people the good news of Jesus. Now, if you want to know what he's doing, if you want to know what his purpose is, it wasn't to, to start churches. It wasn't, it wasn't to do good deeds. He is on a mission to tell folks the good news of Jesus Christ. He is a mission on a mission to tell folks there is hope in Jesus. In his death and his burial and his resurrection, by faith in him, we are forgiven of our sins. In him, our records are clear. In him, we are given his righteousness. In him, we have eternal life, not because we earn it, not because we are good, but because of Christ. And so he is on a mission to tell folks there is good news and it's found in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, as we start back in our study today, I want to stop already right there and I want to do this first today. I want to remind us that is still the truth. That is still the truth. Our hope is in Jesus. That is still the message. There is hope in Jesus. In Jesus, we have the forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus, there is peace and there's joy and it's found in our Savior, Jesus. We have good news. It's the same message. You know what? We need to remember that. Sometimes it seems we lose sight of that. Instead of talking about Jesus with confidence, instead of talking about Jesus with joy, instead of talking about Jesus in love, that's why we tell folks about Jesus Christ. Instead of that, we feel like the person that says, hi, I'm calling about your car's extended warranty. Listen, we have good news. We have the news the world needs. We have hope, the only hope. There is good news in Jesus. 
And he is consumed with bringing that message. He is burning to deliver that message. There is good news in the person of Jesus. On this second missionary trip, the second trip, he has gone to Macedonia. Remember, God directs his path there. He goes there. He has gone to the city of Philippi. In that city, he was beaten. He was jailed there. Also, God worked. People were saved. The gospel went out there in Philippi. And from there, he goes to Thessalonica. Uh, the same pattern happens there. God works. Uh, people are saved. The gospel is preached. The gospel is known. And in the same pattern, he has been run out of that town also by an angry mob. And that brings us to our progression today. That brings us to our verses today. All right, let's look at our verses, starting in verse 10. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. The brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Now, verse 10 is just the continuation of the flow of events. This is the actual trip, the historical trip. And so it is a recording of the flow of the events. Because of the persecution in Thessalonica, the believers there quickly, immediately the Bible says, sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. Now, Berea is a town about three days' walk away. It was a distance of about 50 miles, again, about a three-day walk. It was not on the major trade route, as were Philippi or Thessalonica. It was not on the route of a major highway. You had to be going there to get there. It was not a large city like Thessalonica, but it was still a substantial city. The Bible records when they get there, they go, as was their pattern, we see it all the way through, to the synagogue of the Jews. Now they go to the synagogue of the Jews and they start declaring the gospel. They start proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice something already here in the 10th verse. In trouble, in actual danger in Thessalonica, they leave at night. That's what the verse says. They slip off. That's what, honestly what they do under the cover of night. They avoid the danger. But then when they get to Berea, they go to the synagogue of the Jews and began to preach the gospel. Now, if you've noticed this, this is the same thing. This is the same pattern that has put them in danger in every city. It is the Jews that would start the uprising, and so it is a dangerous thing. And so on one instance, they slip off under the cover of night, and then in the same trip, they go to the, to the synagogue of the Jews. Here's what we should see. In these days, the days we are living in, and, I, and I'll just tell you, they're peculiar days, but in these days, Days where the gospel is needed, it's the hope of men. Listen, our, our hope's not in the government. Our hope's not in, in, a, in a change of government. It's not in the same government. It's not in a stimul stimulus check. It's not in something else. Our hope is in the gospel. 
But in these days when the hope of man is in the gospel and in these days where the gospel is hated, hated by the world and hated by the culture, here's what we see in the 10th verse. We must be smart, but we must also be bold. And I think that's what we see in the 10th verse. We must be smart in these days, but we must also be bold. And that's what we see here in this verse. In strange days, we must be smart and we must be bold. Now, I want you to notice in both of those situations, the gospel is heard and received. So they didn't neglect the gospel in one area, but they were smart. And they didn't refrain from preaching the gospel in a different area, they were bold. And so when we see here, the goal of the gospel going out is achieved in both of those areas, and they are smart and they are bold. Today, we're going to have to be smart and we're going to have to be bold. All right, verse 11. Now, these were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. The Jews here in Berea, the Bible says, were more noble-minded. Now, that word noble-minded, it's actually a single word. It is a Greek word that means high-minded or better in nature or more right-minded. They were better-minded. And so these Jews that they find there in Berea, they are better thinking, they are better-minded, they are better in nature than the Jews in Thessalonica. It says, for they received the word with great eagerness. Now what this means is they were willing to listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. They were glad to hear the message. Now they had been looking for the Messiah. They had been waiting for a, for a savior from God. And so they were willing to listen to the, to the message of Jesus. They were open to it. In fact, the Bible says they were actually eager to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Now here's the key. It says they were examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. They were examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Now this is a big, big deal. Let me walk you through it. The word examining, it is the Greek word that means an intensifying process of investigating or searching. And let me say that again. It is a Greek word that means an intensifying process of investigating or searching. It's most literal translation. It means to judge from down to up. Uh, we would say from top to bottom. And so it says they were intently examining. They were searching judging from top to bottom, from bottom to top, the scriptures. Now, the scriptures for them, they were the Old Testament scrolls. It was the word of God. And so they were examining the, the word of God, the Old Testament scrolls, and it says they did it daily. It wasn't just, hey, our interest has been sparked, and so we looked into it. 
They are doing it daily. They are committed to that process. And so I want you to see what's happening here in the, in the 10th and 11th verse. Paul and Silas come to town and they proclaim to these Jews that Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. He is the Savior of God. But they don't just say it, they use the scriptures to prove it. And so they pull out this verse and they pull out these verses and they use the scriptures to back it up. Then they proclaim as the Messiah, he died for sinners. He was the Lamb of God and as the sacrificial Lamb of God, he died for sinners. Now that was, we saw a couple weeks ago, a hard thing for them to understand, but they use the scriptures to prove it. They take Isaiah 53 and they use the scriptures to illustrate it, to show it. Then they proclaim that having died for sin as the sacrificial lamb of God, that the Messiah would live again, that victoriously he would rise from the dead and he would live again. They tell him about Jesus' resurrection. And again, they use the scriptures to prove it. Well, these Bereans... They get out the scrolls, they get out the word of God, and they began to investigate these claims. Jesus, this Nazarene, he is the Messiah. And they began to look up the, the prophecies concerning him. And they began to dig into the scrolls, to the scriptures, and they began to look into, to search the scriptures, and they began to map it out. And they checked the claims of the gospel carefully, meticulously, daily, against the word of God. They will make their verdict, they will make their determination not on their feelings, not on the word of this man, but based upon the word of God. Now here's the deal. As believers, what we teach, what we proclaim, what we believe is based on and is squared with and is rooted in the word of God. Do you see that? Do you know that? Do you understand it? That is why we must know it. That is why we must study it. That is why we must memorize it. And as the world gets ever crazier, that is why it is a vital, necessary thing. Friend, listen to me today, understand me today. We must know the word of God. You must know the word of God as the world is distorting itself, as it's falling apart, as we're spinning into chaos. We must know, you must know, I must know the word of God. Now, hasn't God been showing us that? Yesterday afternoon, I was thinking, you know what, for years now, on Sunday morning, he's been showing us that. Almost every sermon, almost every week, you gotta know the word of God. You gotta spend time in the word of God. Our hope, our Savior's found in the word of God on Sunday nights. It's the same message on Wednesday nights. Look at our Bible studies, it's the same message. In our, on our men's lunch, in our women's events, in our kids' camps, it comes up and it comes up and it comes up. Your answer's found in the word of God. God's word is truth. Go to the word of God. In these days, listen, we must know the word of God. Let me tell you something. In these days, Satan is attacking our foundations. 
And there's been foundations we thought, you know what, that'll always stand. That'll always be there. And if you can turn to something, it'll be there. It'll always be there. Satan is attacking our foundations. Satan is attacking our anchors, things that you thought, you know what, that'll always hold. And I can tie myself there and it will hold. He's attacking our anchors. And when you remove our confidence in the word of God, we lose our bearings. Do you know that's what's wrong with the world? We've lost our bearings. We go around and everything's relative. Everything's going to be based upon who says it and what, what the experience is, what the, what the thing is going with that. We've lost our bearings. Our culture, we've lost our bearings. We can't say, you know what, this is true and it's always true. No, somebody will attack that. We've lost our bearings. Listen, many churches today, they've lost their bearings because they've lost and they've left their confidence in the word of God. I was watching this week, there, there's, there's churches preaching such nonsense today, such worldly nonsense, and it's because they've left the truth that, you know what, God's word will stand, and they've lost their confidence in the word of God. I want to be very clear, and it, man, it's not going to be popular in the church world today, it's not going to be popular in the world today. But I want to be very clear. We need to understand this. We need to write this down. You need to be sure of it. A gospel that does not match perfectly, completely well. What if it's almost? Well, it's close enough. Well, it's the same word. A gospel that does not match perfectly, completely, and always with the word of God is not the gospel. Listen to me, the, a gospel that's based upon additions to the word of God, the, the book of Mormon, the pearl of great price, whatever you wanna add, any gospel that's built upon an addition to the word of God is not the gospel. Even one word is not the gospel. A gospel that has to remove or overlook pieces and parts of the word of God. Folks say, you know what? I don't know if that's relevant today. I don't know if that'll stand today, but this will. Listen, any gospel that has to overlook pieces or parts of the word of God is not the gospel. There is one gospel and it is found and it is proclaimed and it is defined and it is defended in the Bible, the word of God. Listen to me, friends. Here is our good news. Where are we going to find good news? Here it is. How will we ever find the truth today? Listen, friend, here it is. It's found in the word of God. Well, don't we need to adapt it? A whole bunch of folks are. Don't we need to modernize it? Things have changed. Folks have told me that. Don't we need to make it politically correct? This will never fly. Don't we need to make it culturally acceptable today? The world won't embrace that. No, listen to me. The truth will stand. The truth will stand. Let me read verse 12. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women, and men. Very simple verse, but it has, a, it has a great point to it. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women 
and men. Here's the reality of verse 12. The gospel will stand. The truth will stand. The truth is what sets men free. And the truth will bear fruit. And so listen, so we can have confidence in the truth. That's the point of verse 12. The truth will stand. No, we don't have to adapt it. No, we don't have to modernize it. The truth is what will set men free. The truth is, here's what we see, will bear fruit. So no, we don't have to adapt it. The truth will stand. And where it is stood upon, it will bear fruit. That is the point of verse 12. The truth will stand, and where it is stood upon, it will bear fruit. Do you know that's why we preach the truth? Do you know that's why we preach the Bible? Do you know that's why the Bible's our centerpiece in the church? Do you know that's why this is our focus in the church? It points us to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know it's not why we're not looking out for for worldly methods and and worldly plans? It's why we preach the Bible, because the truth will stand, and where the truth is stood upon, it will bear fruit. Therefore, many of them believed, along with a number of prominent Greek women and men. All right, verse 13. But... When the Jews of Thessalonica found out the word of God had been proclaimed by Paul in Berea also, they came there as well, agitating and stirring up the crowds. How great is the world's hatred for the gospel? How great is the world's hatred of the good news of Jesus Christ, the message of Jesus. Well, let me show you this. These men traveled three days. Listen, they traveled three days. Why didn't they just say, well, they're not in our town. Well, they're gone from here. Why didn't they just say, well, good riddance. No, they traveled three days to attack the messengers of the word of God because they hate the message of Jesus Christ. Folks, let me tell you something. I I don't know, but I believe this. I don't know a greater time that the message of salvation by faith in Jesus has been so hated, ridiculed, and mocked. I don't don't know. I I haven't lived in all these other ages. I read a bunch of stuff. But I don't know of a greater time when the message, the good message of salvation by faith in Jesus has been so hated, so rejected, so ridiculed, so mocked, and it is a growing thing right now. It is a growing thing in our culture. Let me just tell you, today you can say anything, and I'm not joking, you can say anything. You can say anything, and somebody will say, you know what, that's okay. Somebody say, I don't agree with that, but that's your truth, and that's okay. You can say the most absurd thing, and somebody will say, that's okay. You can say, you know what, you're a, you're a, I'm another gender. I'm not this gender. My genitalia says different. My chromosomes say different. My look says different, but I'm a different gender, and they'll let you play a sport. Sarah played one of them this year. 
And somebody will come along and say, it's okay, we're tolerant of that. It's okay, we don't wanna hurt their feelings. You can say anything and somebody will say, that's okay. But let me tell you something. When you say God's word is truth, when you say Jesus is the way, when you say I love you enough to stand and to tell you, and listen, that's what it is, that there is a hope and it still exists today, that there is peace and it can be yours today. You are hated, you are maligned, and you are attacked. Verses 14 and 15. Then he immediately, the brethren sent Paul out as far as the sea to the coast. And Silas and Timothy remained there, verse 15. Now those who escorted Paul brought him as far as Athens and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they left. Now that's the next movement in the account. Paul goes to the coast. Silas and Timothy are sent for. Now, I'm gonna stop right there this morning. But I want you to listen to me as we close. For the umpteenth time, And yes, in great repetition, God is telling us we have to know the word of God. We have to know the word of God. I've been saying it, the best thing you can do, what's the best thing I can do? Listen, the best thing you can do is spend time in God's word. The the thing that'll pay the biggest dividend in your life, what's the thing that would change my life? The thing that'll pay the biggest dividend is time spent in the word of God. To grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it will not happen unless you're spending time in the word of God. For the umpteenth time and in great repetition, God is telling us we have to know the word of God. We have to know the word of God. Why? This is what I'm gonna end on. Because we don't have enough to do. Because we need a checklist to to check off every day. Because we need a religious duty that he can pound us when we fail at it, that's why. No, not at all. Why? It is because, listen to me friend, there is a savior. And he is the hope of mankind and he's the only hope of mankind. And it's because he loves you, you can't imagine how much he loves you. Oh, how he loves you. And it's because he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't written you off. He he sees where you're at. He sees your hurt. He sees the regret you're carrying. He wants your heart. And he's made a way. And he humbled himself. He went to the cross of Calvary and there he paid the price for my redemption, for our redemption, for your redemption. And he secured it and it's finished there at the cross of Calvary. And he comes and now he offers to take our sin and to take our shame and he offers to exchange it for a clean slate and the righteousness of Jesus and a future that is bright. And that is the message of scripture. That is why we have to know it. No, it's not about legalism. No, it's not about a bunch of rules. The reason we have to know it is there is hope today and it's found in Jesus. He is the subject 
of Scripture. He is the Savior of Scripture. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come. I'm thankful for you, and I'm thankful for your truth, and I'm thankful for your love, and I'm thankful for your word, because it points us to our hope, our Savior Jesus. Lord, I, I pray in, in a day that's quickly becoming something we can't imagine, I pray that, that we've tied off to the anchor of our Savior Jesus, the word. I pray that we, we're standing upon the foundation of your word that will endure Word of God that's living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. And Lord, I pray that the fruit of that will be that you would be known in a world that needs to know you, that hearts that are hurting today would find you, that peace that's so rare and not available would be found in the Savior of Scripture, Jesus. Lord, I pray for some here in this room that do not know you. I pray as they struggle, as they fight, as they try to push it down, that they would understand that you love them. Your grace is offered to them and you'll forgive them. There's a clean slate and a new start and a future that's bright. It's found in Jesus. Lord, I pray that you've spoken to them. I pray that you're speaking to them now. I pray that they, in this event, that they would find you, they would trust you, they would turn to you and they would find peace. Lord, I pray for us as a church, as a people, we wouldn't just hear this message and, and be content with it, but we would grab our Bibles and we would begin to read them and study them, to memorize them, that we'd be where the Word of God is preached, where we'd be here when it's studied, and we would actually know the Savior of the Word because we deeply know the Word. Lord, I pray as we exist in hard times, I pray for courage, I pray for smartness, for intellect, I pray for boldness, I pray for your help. Lord, we come and we just tell you we're, we're thankful that you're kind and gracious to us. We're thankful. We lay this out before you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen.